0: Well, hello and welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This is Fico with Arctic Eric, and I appreciate you being here with me at The Kitchen Table. Uh, we're going to continue here, part three of looking at uh, chapter eight from the book of Romans. Uh, it's exciting to look at it here in the New Living Translation. You know, there are times when I've been asked, what is the best Bible translation? Well, from my experience... It's the one that you open and read. I have many Bibles, and uh, each of them have something to say to make it clear that it really is all about Jesus. So let's uh, look here now, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do what good news that is for anyone who does not want to follow the lusts of the flesh and the old nature, that sinful nature, what good news that is for anybody who wants to live a life that is pleasing to God. Because we're not under obligation to sin. We're not under obligation to lust after the things of the world. We're not under obligation to do what our old, sinful, carnal nature wants us to do. And I think it goes without saying in verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, if you live by what your sinful nature urges you to do, if you do it, you're going to die. But here's the fun part. Here's the exciting part, the second part of verse 13. But, however, wait a minute Listen, but if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. How do you do it? Through determination? No, you do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you do it through more prayer? No, you do it through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit who is dwelling on the inside of you. As we read last time here at the kitchen table, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in those who believe. And through the power of this person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, and you will live. You say, but how do I do it? Well, you're asking the wrong question about how do you do it. You're going to fail if you try to do it. It says, through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. So it isn't how are you going to do it? It's who is going to enable you and empower you to do it. It is the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 14, for everyone, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. God desires for us not just to meet him through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ, not just to have peace with God, not just to know him as more than the creator, but to know us as our heavenly father, that we we embrace Jesus Christ. And that's a marvelous start. That's an absolute necessary. But there's more. There is being led by the spirit of God. And as we're led by the spirit of God and empowered by the spirit of God and transformed by the spirit of God in accordance with scripture, then it's going to be obvious that we're children of the Most High God. In verse 15, Paul makes it clear that you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you have received, who is the you, everyone who believes in and trusts Jesus Christ and Him alone for eternal life, Those who receive God's spirit, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. That's right. The moment you capitulated and surrendered and said yes to Jesus, he adopted you. You became a part of his family. He became your spiritual father and you became his child. And because of that, we, each of us who are children of God can cry out and call him Abba, Father, that intimate, dear, endearing name, Abba, Father. How does that happen? Verse 16 For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. There have been times when when working as a pastor, when individuals have, have wondered, gee, am I a child of God or not? And listen, if someone asks you that question, it's not your job, it's not your task to convince people whether or not they're children of God. That is the job of the Holy Spirit let the Holy Spirit do the job, open scripture to the one who's not certain and allow the scripture by the spirit to assure them, to affirm for them that they're a child of the most high God. Continuing here in verse 17. And since we are, look at that, we are, doesn't say we're going to be. It says, since we are his children, we're his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory and eternity with God in God's glory. Paul goes on to say here in the last part of verse 17, But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You know, suffering is something that isn't talked about sometimes in some groups, or it's focused on way too much in other groups. And what we want to do is to stay in the middle of the road, and Jesus is the way, and he wants to keep us on the way, in the middle of the way. So let's look at a couple of thoughts here about this suffering, if you will. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 5. It says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. What in the world? Let's look at this in context, verses 3 to 7. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighted down with troubles, this is Paul speaking, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that you share in our sufferings, and you will also share in the comfort God gives. I want to talk about this for just a moment, please it makes it clear here that it's not we out of our soulish life or out of our experiences that we comfort, but we are comforted by the Holy Spirit. He is called the Comforter in Scripture. And as God, by His Spirit, comforts us in all of our troubles, then we can comfort others not by saying, gee, I relate, but to saying, the same God who comforts me wants to comfort you. Do you understand that? He who comforts you and comforts me in troubles, that is God Himself in the person of the Holy Spirit, that same God who is for us and in us, wants to move through us to bring comfort to other people the same way, by allowing them to connect with the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the more we're tested, the more we suffer, the more trials we have, the more comfort we receive from the Comforter, so that we don't focus on the trial and the tribulation and the test, we focus upon the great God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who brings us comfort. Oh, that you might know the comforter today, that you might know the resurrection power of the person of the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you today. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3, verse 10, I want you to know and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that in one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Listen, God wants that for us today. He wants each of us to know personally and experientially the mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He wants us to comfort others as we've been comforted, and He wants the Holy Spirit to make clear for us that by His power, The deeds of death in our sinful nature can be crushed. Well, I can see I'm out of time. I hope you're encouraged today. I look forward to the next time we meet here at the kitchen table and continue in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Until then, God bless you. Good day.